Do you have any of your own experiences um, uh, working with the community to produce film? You know, uh, we do actually. We have, uh, in, in fact, one of um, our just really favorite Main Street managers has been a big, big, big uh, participant with Downtown Happy Hour out in uh, Wenatchee, Washington. And they actually just published their third iteration of um, kind of films about the, the community and as it's grown over, kind of launched with the community branding process. So um, yeah, we can kind of hit on that, but it looks cool. like we are live. It is one o'clock on the dot. And uh, if you are just jumping over from our first morning session, I'm sure that you all are as impressed as I was with Chet Clem. Man, that was an amazing, amazing presentation on uh, using comedy to be able to diffuse and engage and, and really become part of the community. And, and I think everybody was pretty much left with the idea of how can we bottle Chet up and uh, distribute him to our communities because uh, we would love to have a developer that approaches things that way. So with that, I think it's a perfect transition from hearing a little bit about um, some of the things that he dealt with there in New Hampshire, and, and then also kind of building on this amazing foundation that we had yesterday with Phil Ike and, and kind of talking to us about the importance of storytelling. Um, and I am thrilled to introduce you all to John Paget. John is the owner of First in Maine Films. And uh, John and I have gotten to know each other. We actually met the first time in person at the National Main Street Conference in Seattle. And then we have gotten to know each other a lot better over the past year with our um, both working on Proud Places that, that kind of launched after last year's Bender. And we really wanted John to be able to come and talk with us a little today about the role that film and, and uh, you know, we titled it Moving Pictures. And it's this idea of, you know, imagery that truly captures the character and emotion of place. And um, I've been, uh, been privileged to be able to see some of the stuff that he's working on. And man, every single time I see one of his projects, it's just like, our communities need this. They, they need this kind of story. They need this kind of tool because there is no better way to capture that uniqueness, that individuality than what we see in, in film. And so, John, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. And would you mind telling everybody a little bit more about yourself and, and kind of what landed you here as, as the, the owner of First and Main Films? Sure. Thanks, Ben. Um, yeah, I mean, we love telling stories through film that build and inspire communities. And how I got into this, um, I started out my career in documentary filmmaking right out of college. One of my first films I did was on Route 66. And, um, you know, what's really interesting about that is it's called the Main Street of America. And the original route, instead of like the freeways, which always bypass the city, the route takes you through the downtowns and main streets of all these wonderful little towns and cities across America. It's a great cross section, but it, the route just takes you right into the heart of these, these places. And so I saw all of these places and uh, they're really, really wonderful. Some were really struggling due to the way we built the, you know, the freeway that sucked all the traffic away or even suburban sprawl. But I was most fascinated with these historic downtowns and, and main streets. And um, so we, we did those, some of the classic documentaries on, on the road. And then fast forward, I ended up moving to Buffalo and um, began to tell the stories here in Buffalo for, for tourism promotion, for economic development. But um, it was really creating films to help tell the story of this underdog city, this Rust Belt city. And I think through a combination of those things, I really discovered my passion for and recognition of how films can change and inspire communities, how, that, how it can have that kind of impact in a place. And um, we also got over the years real involved with um, the movement of new urbanism and the urban design and placemaking and, you know, a lot of attention gets put on how to design better places. But part of placemaking, too, is storytelling. What makes a place is that something happened there. And so um, cultivating and developing 
um, a community's awareness of its own story is a sort of placemaking. Um, and a film is just a real powerful way to do that. I love that. I love that. And, and I know that, um, that one of the coolest things was, and I, and I don't, I know that you didn't know this um, connection until recently, but one of the kind of series of films that you have done was resident of Buffalo who um, is opening up a bar and um, has gone in and, and is restoring this building and opening up the bar. And he actually grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, went to Malden High School, was uh, good friends with some of my best friends in college. And, um, and it's just amazing to see how it, it's almost just this kind of further, um, it's like evidence that in the importance of storytelling, like this, I made this connection. And then all of a sudden, even though I've never met Chris in person, like we became Facebook friends, we, you know, started communicating a little on the side and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, I feel connected to that story, you know? So it's like being able to see the inside storylines of what's going on in a place. It, it helps you to create connection. And, and I even feel like it sometimes helps you to, to motivate yourself to find a way to get connected. And how can I help? How can I be a part? How can I experience? And, and um, I, so I'm really, really excited for us to dig into that. So just to share with everybody the way that we're going to kind of work the format today, because obviously the last thing we want to do is spend the next 55 minutes talking about videos, right? We want to share with you all um, some of John's work and then talk a little bit about how that project came to be and, and a little bit of some of that backstory and, and um, maybe some things that have happened since then and things like that. So uh, John has put together a collection of some clips for us and uh, he's going to lead us in, let us know a little bit about what we're going to see. Then we're going to share that video with everybody, let you take a look. Most of them are two to four minutes or so and, and just see a little bit of what this looks like, what it feels like, have kind of that experience for yourself. And then uh, in the end, we're going to talk a little bit about how communities might be able to organize to, to make this happen, how, how they might be able to better use film in telling that story and preserving that place. So John, would you mind giving us kind of a lead in on this first clip? Yeah, real quick, which, which one is it? Um, so number one is, um, hold on, I gotta find the America's Best Design City. Yes, and real quick Ben too, I, I do have one true fan out there that, messaged me and says we're not live so can you just confirm whether we're everything is technically working here we are we are and i think what they might be seeing john is we did end up having to migrate it over into it is live on the main page so okay. um trying to port it through the events didn't end up working because at last minute facebook kind of changed things up but we are live and i am actually seeing it on my page and and monitoring the comment section so okay. um yeah we'll hopefully they'll uh they'll kind of refresh and they'll see that that uh live notification and uh we are definitely getting everybody confirming that we're good so, okay just wanted to make sure just wanted to make Absolutely. sure <laughs> so um, that would um, not be fun would it <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, America's Best Design City. I like to say that this is the place branding film that broke breaks all the rules. Um, it tells the story of Buffalo. Uh, at one time, it was hailed as the best planned city in America by Frederick Law Olmsted. Um, and, and then we did a lot of things to ruin that and mess it up, frankly. And, um, and yet today... There's a generation who are rediscovering and rebuilding and revitalizing the city. So we wanted to tell that story of the rise and fall and the rise. And I think that that's what ultimately made it so powerful. You'll see a little excerpt here. We don't have time to do the whole thing. The whole thing is like 15 minutes. Um, so we're just going to show a little excerpt and then we can talk more. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So here we go with America's best designed city.
you know, it, you have to look for new world metaphor. It's Amazonian. We're at the foot of this gigantic series of lakes, and it's fresh water. It's the reason we became a bustling and important city in the early part of the American story, and perhaps one of the reasons we'll become an important city again in the 21st century. One of the great things that Lake Erie gives us is this oceanic view over 200 miles of water to the west. It's just spectacular to sit out there and watch the sunset over the water, and that's something no one else in the eastern U.S. has, because all our other cities, Boston, Chicago, New York, Philadelphia, they don't have sunsets over the water. We do. The city of Buffalo is surrounded by water. We have Lake Erie to our west, Niagara Falls to the north, and Buffalo River meandering to the south. The settlement patterns in our community came up from the water. Well, Buffalo is one of the few cities that has a truly Baroque street system. In 1804, Joseph Ellicott came to town. Joseph Ellicott was the brother of Andrew Ellicott, who was on Pierre L'Enfant's team to design Washington, D.C. And a lot of elements of the plan of Washington, D.C. are visible in Buffalo, a grid overlaid by a radial system of streets. The radial and grid street system gave us an incredibly elegant framework for developing our city. One of the really terrific things about radials is the way they shape the view. So when you're coming down Court Street from a Lafayette Square, you have what Ada Louise Hustable called the greatest urban vista in America. perhaps the greatest landscape architect America has produced, designer of Central Park. The father of landscape architecture came to Buffalo with an invitation to put a park in the city, decided instead that the real thing to do is put the city in a park system. It was the first best designed park system in America. That park and parkway system was built on the armature of the Ellicott radial street system. There's no main gate. There's, you come in from any direction. You can move through the parkways to other parks and have very different experiences in each one. Frederick Law Olmsted called Buffalo the best planned city in America, if not the world. The thing that makes that marginally credible is that he said it before he offered his park system. So, it was the best planned city in America before the park and parkway system, and he added value to that best plan. The parks, of course, are beautiful in and of themselves, but sometimes we forget how significant the parkways were and how they framed the city and how they reflect Olmsted's vision of a democratic city, an egalitarian approach where, you know, Anyone and everyone in Buffalo felt like they were royalty by virtue of being on those parkways. To those of us who live along... Wow. I tell you, that um, I, I've got so many things rolling in my head just from <laughs> seeing that. So, so let me ask a couple questions and, and then just let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, first of all, um, one of the very first things I noticed in the intro You've got that amazing shot coming in over the lake into Buffalo, and you use that time to introduce partner after partner after partner after partner. And I, I think that that was something that really struck me from a get-go, that obviously this is a an effort of the voices of Buffalo. Can you tell us just a little bit about how this become you know, a reality? How did this project happen and how did those partners rally together to help make this thing a reality? That's a great question. And I think, you know, I mean, there's film production of every scale that you can do. Um, I think with a film of this scale, what you're trying to do is create an inflection point in 
the trajectory of a community in a city to, to create a film and a story that's going to have impact is really going to change the conversation and direction of a city. And with, and with that kind of investment, you need multiple stakeholders. So to, to fund it would have been beyond maybe the capacity of any one of those entities. But when we could get them together, now we have, you have a budget to produce something that can really have impact. Um, The initial, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So the initial idea, you know um, I think it started with um, the Buffalo visit Buffalo Niagara and they're the tourism promotional agency and um but they were able to help put together all of the other funding partners that's great that's great and you know it it struck me as i was watching it you know i always try to kind of listen and and absorb and then put myself into different different shoes you know from a visitor standpoint just the the sheer impact of the geographic placement being surrounded by water, the amazingly rich architecture that we saw combined with this focus on planning and kind of the integration of green into this, you know, amazing American city, like it created a sense of intrigue and it created that kind of magnetic pull from a visitor side. But I I can't help but imagine that if I was a resident of Buffalo and I was watching this video, it would also be huge at building pride and kind of stoking a, a fire of man, you know, this is, this is a, a place that we should be proud of. And how much of this idea of community pride as a catalyst for investment and buy-in and support and, and like momentum, how much of that do you feel like was present amongst the partners in, from the beginning of the project? I don't know <laughs> because it started out with a very narrow purpose. It was actually, yeah. it was actually the impetus for it was a, to create a promotional film for the uh, Congress for the New Urbanisms Conference in Buffalo. Gotcha. So we had this ready to go. We produced it a year in advance to promote attendance at that. Now that's a very narrow purpose, right? Right. And yet. Right. It has been used by every major, um, most major companies in Buffalo as a talent attraction film. It's been used as a visitor attraction film to build tourism. But, and like you said, one of the purposes that was never designed for, it has been a community building and inspiring film. And uh, it's hard to quantify, right. but I've met so many people that said, man, that, that film changed the conversation in Buffalo or exchange students who from overseas picked Buffalo because they saw this film and came right. here to study right. and hopefully they don't regret it. And people, uh, young people who, who were in college and, and maybe had their eyes set on getting out of town and saw it and have told me that that film is the reason I stayed and did X, Y, and Z and built this dream or started this entrepreneurial venture. So it, it just has this wonderful multiplier effect where we discovered sort of by accident Wow, films, you know, um, place branding films that, that you're doing ostensibly to attract tourism or attract investment, maybe their most valuable thing, if you design them right and you tell the story right, can be on the community itself and what Absolutely. it inspires within your own citizenry. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that's one of the, the reasons that we've connected so much in our thinking is, you know, I, I think most people know I specialize in community branding, but we're doing it from a, a planning angle. And, you know, we weren't, we never started doing this work to foster tourism. It was always about community engagement and implementation of the plan. We believe that one of the reasons that plans went unimplemented is because people didn't fall in love with the vision. So we actually came at a whole different angle. And this idea of community pride and the power of that pride, that was almost a value add. You know, it was like, it was like, man, it's going to be hard to sell it on the front end that that's what you need to be to invest in. But in the back end, that might end up being one of the most powerful outcomes is 
the the willingness to connect, the willingness to risk, because man, they believe in this idea of Buffalo. I love it. That's cool. That is cool. Yeah. And so what what happens in the rest of the film is that you actually so that leaves you on a real high point. Wow, they built this gem of a city. Well, we actually go in in the next four or five minutes of the film, talk about how we made these horrible mistakes and mm-hmm. did some urban planning mistakes in the 50s that really ruined a lot of that. It, it took out one of Olmsted's parkways. And so it brings you to this incredible, like, bummer, like, right low. And then, and then, and then by the end, it starts talking about how are we going to fix these things and how are we going to rebuild? And it expresses a real um, vision for how we can fix this stuff and an invitation to come to Buffalo and help us. Yeah. Come see us, come see what we're doing and then help us and and cheer us on. So um, that's the other thing is, so we, so if you tell a deeper story, yes, it's 15 minutes and everyone tells you, Oh, it's gotta be a minute or two minutes. This thing got over a million views um, on YouTube just by virtue of people sharing it organically. Right. And I think it's because it tells um, a compelling story a real story that's awesome that's awesome well i tell you what let's jump to to clip two your second er uh, excerpt is from the square deal town tell us a little about that so another you know kind of um challenged community being the binghamton new york and johnson city and endicott are known as the square deal towns and um They've had a rough go of it because they, they had this giant shoe company and IBM was there and all of that's gone. And um, so they're revitalizing and um, wanted a film to help spur and, and tell that story of their revitalization. Awesome. When they brought me in to do it, though, and it was uh, Broome County, they were almost wishing that we could do the film five years from now because they kept saying we'd have so much better stuff to show. It's almost too early. Like we don't really have anything to show yet. Um, And um, so that was our challenge was how do we make a promotional film about a city when they don't feel like they're ready yet and they don't feel like they have the stuff um, and yet they need it now. They need it now. So, so, so we had to do it and that's the setup for this. And we'll show you an excerpt. Sounds good. Thanks. bought this building, people thought we were nuts. You know, why would you invest in that building in downtown Johnson City? Like, there's nothing going on down there. And one day I said, hey, guess what? We should, we should open a brewery. And he's like, that's a terrible idea. And then we did. When I saw this space and I came into this building, I just knew It had to be saved. It had to be a theater again. We were musicians in New York City, and then she had the crazy idea to open a restaurant. Nothing was happening in downtown Binghamton, and we truly had blind faith. I never imagined that I'd stay here after college, but I've been inspired by what's happened here in the city over the last few years. Every day we come into our office, we are writing the story of Binghamton. I'm brewing beer. Started brewing on the weekends and opened the brewery. Now I brew every single day. I grew up in Endicott. I do love this area and I wanted to, to bring it back. And I think we're doing it one beer at a time. The Binghamton area was settled by people because the rivers came together. Binghamton, Endicott, and Johnson City for a long time have been known as the Triple Cities. They used to have the baseball team, the Triples. I see what you did there. 
I see what you did. You know, it, it is it is so interesting how, and I feel like we're starting to see this thread, and and I think that it just further reinforces how important storytelling is. But it's like you showed us people. You showed us people and their energy and their vision, and it was almost it was almost more important that they had a vision for what it could be than showing off what we have done. And that's really impactful. And I think that that, that feels like something that a lot of, of our viewers today can really relate to is, is you don't have to have a hundred finished projects, but if you tell the stories of the people doing, that works to your advantage a lot. So how did you find the, the people behind the energy? So our, yeah, our client and the county um, helped us identify the characters to interview. We, we kind of went on instinct and said, let's tell the story through the people who are in love with these places already and are doing something interesting. And let's try to find who those people would be. So um, then we interviewed them and let them tell the story of their community in their own words. And um, the amazing thing is we knew we would, we were going to do that much. That was our instinct to tell the story through those real people. What was interesting to me though, is when I got back from shooting it all and had these interviews and transcribed them, I noticed they all said the same thing, just a slight variation on it. They all said something to the effect of, it was a crazy idea, but I did it anyway. Or she wanted to start a breathe and it's a, we thought that's a terrible idea. And then we did it anyway. Or right. nothing was happening and we acted on blind faith. Or I just walked into this amazing theater and it's crazy, but I just knew it had to be a theater. Like everyone had the same story in just slightly right. different words. And I realized that's my opening and it's incredibly appealing and attractive, right? Right. Um, I think showing those types of people um, loving their community and uh, taking risks for their community um, ultimately says so much about a place. Did you find in this particular project, um, I know that we've had several projects in the past where we've had to work with multiple communities at one time. And it was this idea of we need to tell the story, but we also need to preserve the, the individuality of the communities. Like we, we can't, we want to do the story on one stage, but we don't want to, we don't want to blend everybody in together as one thing. We want to preserve that these are three separate and proud places that are are kind of working together. I mean, did you find any challenge with that, working with, with those three communities? It was really hard because like you said, it's, it's hard enough to tell the story of one place and then to try to blend the three. It, I think what made it a little bit easier is historically those, um, and there was a brief mention of it as it got into the history there. With the baseball is that, team. Is that, 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 that those three towns are really unique and that they all um, historically, traditionally, they all have identified as kind of a, a community, the triple right, cities. Right. So that really helped it. And then the only other thing we did is just try to use their real names the, mm -hmm. of the cities and not try to come up with some BS name. Right. Um, right. I'll a tell a you new brand that. name or something that, right. that erases right. their identity, you know? So you honor right. their identity by using their real names. Yeah. Um, and even square deal towns was historic and traditional. So, so we use that, but that works. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's interesting. One of the coolest projects that that we worked on in that vein was we were hired by two communities in Maine to develop a joint brand to kind of tell their story. And it was Saco, Maine and Biddeford, Maine, and literally two communities on either side of the Saco River. And the thing that was so interesting about it was they had always been clustered together. But if you lived on the Saco side, you would tell people that you lived in Saco Biddeford. And if you lived on the Biddeford side, you tell people you lived in Biddeford Saco. And so we actually created a logo that was like a mirror image of itself that replaced the order. And the tagline was no matter how you say it. 
And because it was like, what an interesting place where they know that they're connected, but then they've also, they always kind of put themselves first and, and, and rightfully so. It was a really, really interesting dynamic. So um, that's cool. And that yeah. is really, you never know the stories you're going to uncover, obviously. Um, so with that, it takes us over to, is it Manesson, Pennsylvania? Yes. And that looks like clip number three. Yeah, so Manesson, that was a little COVID project, um, and it's part of a series we're doing at First and Main Films that we are actively now looking for a corporate or brand sponsor to help us um, produce uh, this series called Small Town Spirit to help us do more stories in more towns. Um, so this is one that uh, we weren't hired to do, but we are looking for um, a corporate partner or sponsor to to help us continue doing and um incredible city uh jeff siegler proud places wrote about manison or or had the mayor on the podcast and encouraged me to to take a look at doing a story there and uh so this is a little bit of that one awesome My name is Matt Sherraw, mayor of the city of Manesson. Also, I'm the assistant band director at the high school. I'm a fourth generation Manessonite. I, I was born and raised here. When I was growing up, my grandma would tell me to just get a job somewhere else and move away. She loved Manesson, but she felt that there was no future here. She didn't want me to stay here, and I flat out told her no. <laughs> Most of my friends around the same age have left. My parents don't live here anymore. So I'm really the only one. Everywhere I look, I see places that my family touched in one way or another. Where they've worked, where they've lived, where they've shopped. So it's home to me. And I wouldn't be happy moving somewhere else because I would always wonder what it would be like if I had stayed or tried to make it better. I was elected in 2017 at the age of 25. I find joy in in this place and I, I find our history fascinating. In the early 1900s, Manesson was home to a Carnegie steel plant and also a page woven wire mill, which made cables for the Golden Gate Bridge and a whole bunch of other major projects. Kennedy has spoken here and Taft was here. So we were an important place. The mill eventually closed in 1986, and that really became a, a turning point for the city. We kept losing population, losing businesses, losing jobs, and it's been continuing ever since. To give an idea, in the early 90s, we had about 12 to 14,000 people. Today, we have 7,600 people. left and they moved to the suburbs or they moved west or south and we've just kind of been left here to pick up pieces. Wow and I you know I remember hearing that podcast and um, and hearing both the the story the mayor and and some of the the challenges that he was up against in mindset and you know, when you go into a community like that, um, 
you know, I, I felt like I was seeing these little sparks of, hey, you know, we, you might have forgotten your rich story and you, you need a little bit of a shot in the arm, like, you know, going in and that zoom in shot through that doorway and, and kind of introducing that series of, of newspaper articles and historic images and that kind of stuff. I mean, it felt like it was like a little bit of a, hey, guys, wait wake up don't forget don't forget who you are don't forget who you can be i mean what what were your emotions on the ground as you were kind of going through and figuring out what to shoot oh you're muted yeah i mean it was just overwhelming i was there just one weekend and um i was just amazed by how picturesque the place was even though it was obviously a lot of abandonment and, and issues it's facing. Um, it's still beautiful. And you have this young mayor so determined to um, change, change things around. You know, um, I think that um, what we're trying to do in a film like this is um, change the, um, the community's perception of itself. And I know you mentioned how we met in Seattle at the Main Street Conference. Well, one of the, one I think the closing plenary presenter there was James and and Deborah Fallows, who wrote the book, Our Towns. Yep. And um, I read that book and, you know, they spent years um, traveling to small town America, hundreds of towns. And at the end of that book, he identifies a few of the, um, I think the 10 signs of a successfully revitalizing town that's figuring it out and, and finding success. And one of the hallmarks that they found of a, of a successful town is that the people of the town know their civic story and they're, you know, so they're in touch with that civic story. So I think that um, a film like this is, that's part of the value of it, mm -hmm. you know, and a, a film can be that modern day campfire or bonfire where if you invest in trying to capture the story of your place and you can bring the community together to experience it, it can be a powerful moment in the, in the life of the city. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, text you, I tell you what, the next clip takes us from the Rust Belt all the way to the West Coast with Vacaville, California. And this is a, this is a more traditional kind of destination marketing film. Um, I threw it in there. We, we produced this with a, with a local agency in Buffalo called Fourth Idea. But it shows you what we can do. I think we were only on the ground there for three days, um, but with a very intense schedule and filming, um, you know, consulting with people on the ground to figure out what do we want to, what images are going to tell the story of this place. Uh, it's an example of what we can do just coming in for a few days. Fantastic. All right, here's Vacaville. Awesome. So, you, you know, when I see those, I, I could watch videos, you know, I could watch those type kind of preview videos of communities all day long. But one of the things that kind of strikes me as interesting, and I don't know if you, you feel it or not, but like I, when I watch those now, 
it sometimes they almost feel odd you know that that farm stand shot with all the people under the the side porch you know drinking together and eating and it's kind of like you know i feel like we've been removed from that a little over the past 12 years i mean 12 months that um have you found like any kind of shifting whether it's a shifting appetite or shifting approach or shifting strategy like if you're if you're crafting film now um has the audience changed is their attention span longer are they are they hungry for for you know something a little different post covid or you know are you just finding that people are willing to are they willing to go deeper or are we seeing almost this idea with you know tiktok and this growth of of these like super short like clips i mean how do you feel like the role of the world and and the kind of expansion of social media is affecting the way that we create film what a great question um i think i think it's it's bifurcating into two things you've either got to be really really so short because people are just scrolling through and there's just so much content that um you have to have something that catches their eye and makes an impact in like two seconds or or five seconds um but actually on the flip side of that i think people are because we are bombarded with so many just like cat videos and meaningless stuff that is short and just um that there is a hunger for story and a deeper narrative and i think that um if you're creating a video, um, you know, people say, oh, it needs to be short, but actually I think if you're within the first few minutes, people understand, okay, this is gonna deliver an ex a deeper experience for me, a, a story, an emotional arc. Um, they will watch for longer because people are actually want that. They want story. Yeah, it, it is interesting because it's like you sit there and, and everybody keeps talking about the the kind of, dilution of our attention span yet we also know this like okay attention spans going down but we're also binge watching stuff so you know i i one of the things that i'm wondering is like if you're approaching a project from a community standpoint is there a certain strategy to creating series of chunks almost this you know it, is there a way that the binge washing kind of tendency might make its way into storytelling on a community level like you know our friend phil ike does a series of podcasts and those podcasts are these kind of connected stories but is there any validity to kind of taking some of those uh just like we saw in the um in the the square deal towns you know these kind of tidbits of human story um, might that translate into telling our community story? I, I think absolutely. And one of the things we did in Buffalo was a series called Buffalo 101. And they were just short hits, like could be 10 seconds or 30 seconds about just some particular little thing. Cool. Um, cool. But it, it kind of feeds into that bin watching where you, if you watch one, yeah, here's, here's 10 more. And, and some of them were really great. Like I think the most popular ones were the ones that were, uh, something arcane like the fact that buffalo smells like cheerios right. um, and why is that why, why is that cool and what you know um that, so some of those things just the things find the things that are really really unique about your place um and go just so uh narrow and singular and specific right um, don't right. don't say we've got this great microbrewery no tell us about the stout beer that they have and only they have and and right. why and what exactly to eat with it like exactly. now you're getting something where you're you're starting to create an experience in people's mind that is more than just a generic message awesome awesome well it looks like next up we have next things now yeah so this was um a film the um originated uh as uh, a film for 43 North, was, which was, is the world's largest business ideas competition in Buffalo. And they um, started a few years back where they wanted startup ideas and the winning idea would get a million dollars. But the, the catch was you had to move your company to Buffalo for a year. And so 
part of their whole effort, the bigger effort though, was rebranding Buffalo as not a blue collar Rust Belt town of yesteryear, but a forward thinking place where um, a technology economy can blossom. And so we're trying to change Buffalo's image. Um, and we thought the way to do that would be to tell the story of all of the historic innovation that's happened. I think this is um, another interesting idea that other communities could borrow to, to tell their story. All right, next things now. A small trading post in western New York State begins a period of rapid and remarkable growth. 25 years later, it's burned to the ground. Lesson one in comebacks. The Erie Canal opens, and so does the American West. The Erie Canal, the main track of America's commercial development. Unprecedented activity means unprecedented innovation. Amazing things are invented, perfected, and manufactured. And some of America's most remarkable people and enduring businesses are born. Right here in Buffalo. The first successful skin graft. The cargo barge. The grain elevator makes Buffalo the world's largest grain port and sets the stage for modern architecture. America's 13th president. Millard. The country's first system of fire hydrants. The railway suspension bridge. American Express. The father of punch cards and machine data processing. The ball jar. Kittinger furniture. Still going. The 22nd president. Grover. The great American novel courtesy of a local businessman and journalist. The country's first daycare program. The 24th president. Grover. The 19th century's largest office building. And the world's first movie theater. Frederick Law Olmsted's masterpiece. The first park and parkway system built by an American city. Martha Matilda Harper, the mother of business franchising. The first large-scale hydroelectric power plant. The city of light. America's most progressive president is inaugurated. And the country's first professional female architect completes her magnum opus. Nice work, Miss Bethune. Brad and Lambert. Trico and the windshield wiper. The crowning achievement. And feels like it just keeps going and keeps going, doesn't it? That is yeah. Cool. Yeah, and, we left know, off about halfway through there. <laughs> you know, I think the thing that really strikes me with that is, um, you know, you have showed us five different clips and even though there's certain techniques that you kind of feel like the establishing shots and things like that, you, you can really tell that these stories are crafted around the place. Like it's, it, it's, it's digging in, it's doing the work, it's finding those threads and then creating this kind of compelling tapestry right before people's eyes. And, and that's, uh, it's really like, I feel like it connects you to what's going on. And, um, I mean, from, from that standpoint, it seems like having those good local partners that are helping to kind of identify what are those threads, what are those things to make sure to include. So the idea of creating a piece like this, it's not just about having an amazing camera and an and a artistic eye. It's really about partners on the ground, right? Totally. And it's about um, crafting that story and... Um, another thing I think that's come through in all these, now that I'm watching them is that I have a strong preference stylistically for using real people mm -hmm. and not just some written narration. I think there's an authenticity that comes through 
when the story is being told by the people of the community. And I think you see that in, in all the stuff we've watched. Just I love it. I love it. Well, John, we have been going for, believe it or not, for 50 minutes already. We've got about 10 minutes left. People have been lighting up the comment section. But before we jump into the Q&A, one of the other projects that you worked on that kind of, it it kind of slid out last summer, it feels like, in the middle of everything being crazy. Um, But talk to us a little bit about the Better Cities Film Festival. Sure. Um, My brother founded the Better Cities Film Festival as a joke, originally, uh, it, he called it the New Urbanism Film Festival. Um, we all know that film festivals have gotten really niche. So you have the ski film festival, the wildlife film festival. So he wanted to just go with the most niche topic ever, New Urbanism Film Festival. But um, he ran that for seven years in Hollywood. And what was interesting is that he ran it over a four-day stretch in October, but pretty soon communities, people in Southern California where he was doing it, we're saying, man, I wish I could show these films in my hometown and in my community, because I think it would really help my community understand how we can become better. So we, we rebranded this as better cities film festival is the new name. And we do run a four day actual film festival, um, during, um, in Detroit. Um, and hopefully we'll do that this year if, if COVID eventually wanes, but it's also a traveling film festival. So we can uh, take the best of fest and you can bring it to your town and do a screening. Uh, but here's, here's the trailer that kind of tells the story of what, what the film festival is all about. Awesome. That looks cool. That looks cool. Well, I tell you what, we've got about five minutes or so. um, And I guess the first thing that I'd love for you to tell everybody is how can they track you down? How can they get more? How can they see more, learn more? Um, So how can people reach out to First in Maine? Uh, Go direct to our website, firstinmainefilms.com. And if you want to see more of our work, uh, we've got you know, we're on a Vimeo video channel and YouTube, so you can find us there. And the Fantastic. links are, are there off the website. And I, uh, as far as social media, I probably post most on LinkedIn. Okay. So if you want to connect with me there, that's great. But uh, yeah, feel free to email and chat. And, you know, we really want to be a resource to communities. Um, uh, even if you're doing your own project um, and we can just help advise and guide, we're not flooded with, with, 
those kind of requests. So up to, uh, at this point, we're happy to help um, and consider us a resource. Uh, as far as hiring us, we realize, um, you know, not every community will be at a, at a point in time maybe where they're ready to make that sizable of an investment, but we do, uh, we do work anywhere. And um, we believe that um, a community that wants to make that investment, again, what we're going for is to create a film and a story that will create an inflection point mm-hmm. for the, the history of your place and your community. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, thanks to Ryan Fairchild. He's working you up in the comment section. He shared your uh, your website. He shared your Vimeo link. Um, so you can follow those right in the chat. Um, and let's see, Debbie Elmer says she just loves this. Way to go making something cool and that spreads a ripple effect of goodness through communities. Uh, thank you for making good happen. And, you know, hearing this idea of um, of the Better Cities Film Festival, you know, we had a great session yesterday with uh, Travis and Sarah telling a story about the, the restoration of the Vogue Theater in Manistee, Michigan, and it, you know, coming back to life and, and you know, being a place where the community comes together and they show films, they show movies, and, you know, it's all still alive and very much part of their hearts. So what better way to celebrate some of those historic theaters than, uh, you know, wouldn't that be amazing to do a historic theater tour of Better Cities Film Festival? So um, I love that. If you do have any questions right before we wrap, please feel free, drop those in the chat. And, um, and you know, John, is there anything like moving forward, um, any kind of projects that are, that are ahead that you are excited about or just, you know, maybe even just some of those changing roles of, of film that you think are, are kind of exciting from your standpoint for us to be keeping our eyes on? Um, I guess I would just say that, you know, what, what we get most excited about is actually telling the story of sort of the unsung cities. Um, we relish that challenge. So, um, you know, the, the truly successful and superstar cities, they got to figure it out. And probably, you know, the million dollar ad agencies are competing to for those accounts and to tell those stories. But we really, um, I think our expertise and our passion is for kind of those unsung or underdog cities or misunderstood places. Um, and we believe that uh, good storytelling can help kind of, um, you know, tell that story, tell your own story better. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I, I think one of the big things that I felt like we've always kind of shared is, you know, with us, most of our communities that we work with on the branding and, and kind of storytelling standpoint, they're small and medium-sized communities. And we've always very much catered to trying to figure out that essence of the place and then being able to give the tools back to help those communities preserve that quality and, and be able to tell their stories so that they can really energize the most passionate parts of their place. And, um, and this idea of, of being able to have that be your core foundation. And then therefore these unexpected, you know, things that come out of it, just like you described with the Buffalo video, like it was a, it was a pretty narrow focus but the impact ended up being huge. And, yeah. and I can imagine that uh, if you were to look back on it and talk to the partners, they would tell you that they probably feel like they got more than their money's worth out of the investment because of those, some of those unintended outcomes. I think a big, you know, one of the biggest values is the history and history has this reputation among some people as just being boring and we got to look forward and no one cares about that. I think just the opposite. History is having a sense of your community's history, your town's story is what connects you into a narrative and helps you begin to imagine a future because you see it as, okay, we're part of time. We're part of a narrative and we've overcome these huge challenges in the past and therefore we can do it again. Um, So it's a trick in film. It's a trick of being able to present that history in a really entertaining compelling way. Fantastic. Well, John, thank you so much. We are at our hour. Um, I appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with everybody today, share a little bit of 
the amazing work that you are doing. And uh, please, I urge you all to to reach out, take a look at the website, uh, reach out to John and uh, start crafting your own moving pictures to tell your story and preserve your place. So John, thanks again. And uh, head on over. We are starting our next session. Joe Borgstrom is going to be joined by Sean Turpak, who's going to talk to you a little bit about wayfinding and how uh, that works in your community. So uh, keep enjoying the three-day bender and we will see you today. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, John.